There, there's a lot of passages that we have done since I've been here just in the last year and a half, almost two years now, I guess, off and on. Those words that I just gave this morning from the book of Matthew may be some of the most difficult to digest that I have ever given because there's so much in those words that we hear from, um, from Jesus on that particular passage that are just distasteful to us. Turning our, our cheek so that somebody else can take a shot at us. Uh, somebody sues you. Give them everything you got, pretty much. And then, the last one, borrow money, give it to them. Uh, let's let's, let's kind of unfold this because it's not all that simple, okay? <clears throat> Several years ago, I worked on a thesis on, on a master's in theology at, at Erskine. And uh, though I didn't mean for it to start this way, it, it became a thesis on instrumental music in the church. Because I grew up in a church that, that did not believe in instrumental music. It's acapella music. So there was a... Uh, there was, there was an antithesis there. that, I, in, in fact, I was even asked in my examination, who are you trying to change your mind to? And I said, folks from such and such. And they laughed and said, good luck with that. Anyway, now we're not here about that. We're not going to talk about the thesis today either. But if you want to read it, I'd be happy if you'd like to read it. I've got a, a book. And if you decide you want to toss it in the trash thereafter, the only thing that I ask you is, please just let me have it back. Smile and say you read it. And, and you know, uh, there's only three copies in the world. Two of them are in libraries, one at uh, Presbyterian College, and the other one is at Erskine, and then I have the other one. I, I'd like to keep mine if it's okay with you all, anyway. It looks good to say I'm, you know, I'm an author in a library twice, as a matter of fact. Anyway, anyway, this subject caused me to find a, a, a lot of books and articles that are very, very old. Some over 200 years old. And I'm going to tell you something. For me, that was fascinating reading. To be able to get people's opinions and thoughts from 200 years ago plus. But I came across one chapter in a book by a man named Eric Routley. R-O-U-T-L-E-Y. Though it did not help me for my paper, it did help me with this sermon for today. He talked about in his book, Church Music and Theology. Going the second mile, as we see in verse 41. That's going to be really what we're looking at today, the second mile. Now, in the passage that Jesus gives us this morning in Matthew 5, in some translations he says we are forced to go the mile. Yet so many times as followers of Jesus Christ, we just go that first mile, don't we? There's no force to it. We just do it. Because that's what's expected of us. And it's the right thing to do. We do it by choice. But he paralleled his particular work to the Old and the New Testament. The Old Testament, he said, was much like going the first mile with someone. It's the law. It's expected of us. Really, as children of the Most High God. It's something that we just ought to do without even thinking twice about it. It's not something you think about it. You just go and do it. Sometimes somebody might need help. They need help, you go help them. 
No questions asked. It's what God expects. And what do we get out of the Old Testament but the law? It isn't something that we live by now as a religion, exactly. We know it primarily as the Ten Commandments. That's what we think of as the law, although there was more than that. It isn't something that everyone adheres to and loses their life necessarily if they don't follow through following the law. We aren't that strict with it anymore in many respects. Simply look around the world today and you can figure that one out pretty quick. Especially the first four commandments of the ten. And if you don't know those, go look them up. It's as our forefathers showed us in the period of the Reformation. It's the moral law. It's a way a Christian, even a non-Christian, can choose to live by and have no problems at all. In my opinion, in the first part of chapter 5 of the book of Matthew today, Jesus kind of revamps the Ten Commandments, part of the old law as we know it. And, and this is what we're to live by today. I, I think if you look at the, what we call the Beatitudes, the blessed are statements, in my opinion, that kind of takes the place of what the Ten Commandments were given to us so many years ago. Not, nothing wrong to live by them, but I just think we have an enhancement in the Beatitudes myself. In the first part, again, of chapter 5, Jesus revamps these as part of the Old Testament as we know it. And it, it, much of what we're to live by today. For in essence, it's part of the, the New Testament presentation. If um, we are, my writing is just absolutely horrible. If we're to live rather than living by the Ten Commandments, this is, this is what we're to live by now today. The enhanced, as I say, the enhanced version that I found in chapter 5. I hope that doesn't confuse you too much. Anyway, what this author went on to say was that the New Testament really represented the second mile. Yes, we're to go along with someone that first mile to, as, as we see in our passage for this morning, that is indeed expected of us. But the second mile is what Jesus is talking about here, I think at least, anyway. That second mile is a continuation of the, the law, if you want to look at it from that perspective. But it goes beyond the, the law, okay? It goes beyond that first mile. It's a definition of grace. What is grace? Nelson's Bible Dictionary tells us that grace is favor or kindness shown without regard to the worth of merit of the one who receives it. And in spite of what that same person might deserve. It's going that step further. Doing that little extra bit whether they deserve it or not. And my first thought as an example here would be parents and children. Obviously, when you have children, you give them all the basics of life that you can provide for them. And no, I do not consider a new car a basic when they first get their driver's license. Does it mean that you're going to take away these basics when they act inappropriately? Well, no. You're, you're, you're going to provide for them the very best that you can, even if they don't deserve it sometimes, aren't you? Why? Because you love them and you care for them, no matter how difficult it might be to show that love at times. You'll not walk away 
from them. And that carries over into adulthood when they're able to to answer for themselves. It's no longer a have to then, it's a want to. And when it becomes that, it becomes grace. But if they make a mistake, you won't turn your back on them. You'll do all you can up to a point. Now, once you get beyond that point, there is such a thing, however, as being used. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. I believe a great example of this uh, in action would be in Luke 15. When we read about the prodigal son and his father. The young man didn't deserve anything from his dad. In fact, the young fellow had already received his portion of the inheritance that he wasn't to receive until the man, the father, actually died. He was going to share it with his older brother. You remember what he did. He went out and he blew it all on partying and all kinds of good stuff. Ended up having to go to work. And then at that, his job was was slopping the hogs, basically, we might say today. The boy simply wanted to come home. He wanted to come home and he just really just wanted to go to work for his father. To be treated as any other hired hand that the dad might have. First, that would have gone beyond what the father had to do for the boy. He had provided for the young man already. He wasn't obligated to him in any form or fashion. But the father went that second mile with his son and brought him back from the lost. And he was found. He celebrated his return in a grand style. He showed his son a grace that was not deserved. Even when it wasn't a popular decision, at least for the older brother anyway, the father deemed it the right thing to do. Now, look at what this passage in verse 38 of our reading for today is, what he's trying to tell us. Right off the bat, Jesus is telling us here, we're not to seek vengeance. Whew, that's awful hard. No eye for an eye stuff. That takes a lot of argument away as well. Instead, we are to resist those who do ill to us. This is getting worse by the minute. We should do what we have to to defend ourselves in difficult situations. Obviously, we are to defend our families. But we are not to go out seeking to do ill to those who have done it to us. Jesus gives us some examples here. Someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other, he says. If someone wants to sue you, And take your tunic, give him your cloak as well. In other words, give him the shirt off your back. If someone forces you to go one mile, go two. Oh, now here's one. Verse 42. Give to the one who asks you, and don't turn away from one who would borrow from you. Are these not the most maddening words you've ever heard? You may be thinking, well, Jesus doesn't know the cutthroat people I have to deal with every day. He never had to keep loaning people. Well, if I do that, everybody in my family is going to be after me to loan them all I've got. And they're not one of them going to pay a dime of it back. They'll just keep coming back and coming back and want more and more. Well, Jesus is telling us here in so many words that we're to love our neighbor, certainly. We're to love our enemy, worse. That's what Jesus is about, though. Loving our enemy. It's easy to love our neighbor. It's easy to love people that we love, is it not? We might get mad at them periodically. But to love your enemy? Are you kidding me? 
But this is what Jesus is all about. We've seen Jesus over the past few weeks give us the perfect examples of how we as Christians should live this life. This one, though, just might be the most difficult lesson that we'll ever have to learn. Now, let's clear up a point or two. Jesus doesn't tell you to keep giving and giving to one who is abusing you and your generosity, okay? He's not telling you to go up to your enemy and stick your nose out there so they can uh, punch you in the nose and make you feel better time and, or make them feel better time and time again. There are times to show love to people by saying no. No, I cannot loan you anything because I see what you're doing with it and I don't approve. I believe that Jesus is telling us here is we must tell someone no when we disapprove with what they're doing to someone else or they're abusing someone else or even themselves. That it could be cause for a problem to someone else that they know or maybe family member or even worse, to themselves. We can love those people who are spitefully using us or using someone else. Here's the second mile. Here's where grace comes in. Offer to get them help. Offer to do whatever it takes to keep them from doing further damage to others and maybe even especially to themselves. Give of yourself to help your enemy. Maybe even someone who is an enemy to themselves. And how many people have we seen like that? This is what Jesus is talking about here in my opinion. You're, you're not showing anybody any kindness at all by aiding their sinful behavior. That's not love. That isn't grace. That's not being a friend or a brother in Christ. By being what's called an enabler. Enabling someone to continue in their wrong ways of living. By making it easier to let someone continue in their sinful ways. By making excuses for them. Whatever we do to turn our heads another way to their wrongdoing is just as bad as though you were doing those things yourself. And I can tell you from personal experience that can happen. Oh, and here's the worst. Love and pray for our enemies so that they may be sons of our Father in heaven. Do you mean I'm going to have to pray for and then hope to share my heaven with that low-down, no-good bum of a neighbor who beats his wife? Do I have to pray that he changes for the good? Oh, I don't know if I can do that. I'm going to have to forgive that person for having talked bad about me back when we were in high school and pray that we might meet in heaven and live like good friends for eternity. Mm, I just don't know if I've got it in me. As hard as it is for us to have to comprehend Jesus telling us here that the sun and rain fall down upon those who have done us wrong as well as us too. It comes down upon all of us. And I've said from this pulpit before, and I'll say it again this morning, if you cannot get along with your enemies here on earth, what in the world makes you think you'll be able to get along with them in heaven?
Something has to give somewhere. That's where grace comes in. That's where that second mile comes in. But here's the downside of this thought. If you continue to harbor ill will against others, or or you cannot display this love that Jesus is talking about here, if you can't go even that second mile with your enemy, maybe even some of you already hardly know the the people that have done you wrong, and, and you can give them that grace and mercy that people who have wronged you need, and maybe just needing a helping hand of some sort, what makes you think that you're following the great example given to us by Christ in how to live this life if you can't do that? Let's look at verses 46 through 48. Fred, I'm sorry. Uh, Fred, Fred's preaching 42, uh, 40, no, yeah, 43 through 48 next week. I'm going to step on these just a little bit, so just y'all forget what I'm about to say, okay? <clears throat> If you love those who love you, so what? Jesus says even the pagans, the dreaded tax collectors, the average run-of-the-mill non-Christian person can do that. That's no different than anybody else. You haven't proven a thing. If you greet just your brothers, that is, if you'll, you'll have nothing to do with those who have wronged you in some way, you won't even acknowledge them in a crowd, for instance, You simply act like they they don't even exist and they stand right there in front of you. Just what do you think you're doing, Jesus asks. He says, I do know what you're not doing. You're not following my commands to love even your enemies. That's what you're not doing, he tells us. I ask you, is that a side of Jesus that you want to stand before him someday and have to try to explain? I don't. Although I'm sure I will. Is he talking about us here as a church? Individuals? But let's look at this from God's point of view for just a second. When man sinned against God, there was a separation created between God and man. There was a great chasm or valley that man put between us and God. God didn't do it. Man did it. Okay? That perfect relationship we had with God was broken. Did God continue to love man? Well, we're God's creation. Of course God continued to love us. He didn't love nor would he condone man's sinful behavior. Did God provide for man even after he'd sinned against God? Well, absolutely he did. Simply go back to Genesis 3.17 and on. um, He told Adam... I'm going to provide for you a way to make a living for yourself. It's not going to be easy. But I'm not turning my back on you from that. He gave man a way to provide for his family. He clothed his creation before he sent them out of the garden. And then look throughout history. Now time and again, God made covenants time after time with his people. He loved his people and he provided for them every time. Be my people, I'll be your God. That is the basic premise from Genesis through Revelation. And what did we do? Like the prodigal son in Luke 15, what we do best, I guess, and that's to rebel against God time and time again. He got plenty mad at his people. He punished them time and again. 
the nation of Israel. His chosen people would repent and turn away from their wickedness and be in harmony with God. For a while at least. Then they'd turn away from Him once again, just as we do so often. But you see, God went that extra mile. He displayed a grace that went far beyond anything He had ever done previously. He provided a covenant with His people, His new chosen, the Gentile, followers of His Son, Jesus Christ. He is our covenant of grace. He is our second mile. And what did this covenant give us? Through the gift of God's Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, we, as as we can see in Philippians 2, He who lowered Himself to become one of us, He lowered Himself even to death on a cross. And why? So that through that death He might become one of us. So that, as John proclaims in John 1.29, He is the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. It was prophesied in the Old Testament, clear on up through John the Baptist, and in the New Testament, it became a reality. It was God's final gracious gift, His greatest gift given to us. It is our last opportunity from God to receive His saving grace. I ask you then, had God not loved us so that He gave His only Son to die on our behalf, Had God not gone that second mile with us, where would we be right now? Think about that one. We'd be unforgiven. That's where we'd be. Look at 1 John 4. Perhaps this chapter explains to us more about this extra mile in a way that that is very, very blunt. Okay? Verse 13 says this. We know that we live in Him and He in us because He has given us His Spirit. Verse 16, and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. These are things that we as Christians, we know. We adhere to. We cling to them. We preach them week after week. But what John tells us in verses 20 and 21, in my opinion, tells us all we need to know. Here's where the glove comes, gloves come off and the bare truth Stares us square in the eye. If anyone says I love God yet hates his neighbor, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen, listen to this now, not maybe not, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he's given us this command. Whoever loves God must love his brother. In other words, We need to go that second mile too, don't we? What John tells us here is that since God has gone that extra mile for us through Christ, we sure had better be ready to go that extra mile with those we come in contact with or with those whom we may have had a broken relationship with. And we need to either forgive or seek forgiveness. God's grace given to us through His Son, Jesus Once again, as we talk about it week after week, the love that is greater than any love that we could ever understand upon this earth, shown to us in the greatest example that ever lived for us. Verse 48 of our passage for this morning. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. His love for us 
is perfect. In the context of this passage, we are told to go the second mile. As God has done for us in a relationship that was broken, He has shown us a perfect grace that surpasses all we could know. And if you think about it, by going that second mile, it may be the closest to perfect love you and I can ever show upon this earth. You see, our God has given, He has forgiven, but maybe most especially, for me anyway, He's forgotten. Have we done that as well? Do we do that as well? Maybe we don't have a broken or a strained relationship with another. Maybe we just go that one mile and and we're pretty well satisfied with things, but we kind of let everybody else just live their life and do whatever and we don't try to interfere with them. We still have a lot to learn in how to treat others daily. Simply look at the world as it is right now. If that's not the perfect example of how we know not to be, how we ought not to love, how we ought not to treat everybody else. I don't know what is. I really do not know. But we need to learn more about going that second mile simply by remembering and utilizing this amazing grace that we find in Jesus Christ. This going the extra mile, the second mile that was done for each of us. Let's remember and go that second mile. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. We praise You. And we ask that You might open our hearts. I know we have that time of confession where we come to You, and as Brett likes to say, we do business with You. Uh, Each and every uh, morning that we come together, I thank You for that. I appreciate those words. And yet... There may be a relationship that we all have with someone that might not be the best. It might be broken. It might be strained. It could be any number of things. Lord, I ask you if you would today, help us to go that second mile. Not to stick our nose out to be punched again, but maybe to just simply say no to someone because they are doing damage to others through something that we're helping them or enabling them to do. So many different ways, Lord, that we can look at this simple passage. So I just pray if you would, open our hearts and our minds. Invite the Holy Spirit into each of us as we study these words once again. So that we might grow in the spirit, wisdom, and knowledge of your word. Thank you, Father. Bless us with a greater understanding. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.